This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everybody. Y'all awake? That's good. I'm going to have you stand up since you're awake. Praise God. We're going to pray and uh, just honor our Father here for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we love you today. And we're so grateful that we can come and gather in the name of Jesus unhindered, unchecked, as a matter of choice within our lives. How thankful we are, Father, for this freedom. And as we do so, Father God, we come to learn, to know, to understand. Father, to realize what it is that you have done, how it is that you would have us to live, and the grace and the blessing that comes as a result of it. And so we thank you for your blessing in this house. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I thank you for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. And if you have a Bible with you or a device that you're using, let's open them to 3 John, the third epistle of John. And uh, we'll use this as our text here this morning. 3 John, the epistle right before the book of Revelation. Y'all have a good week? How many of you are thankful for the rain? How many of you don't care? Well, you know, it depends on what end of the stick that you're on there, but I'm thanking God for rain because I'm telling you, that's better than dust. Anyway, let's move on here. 3 John, verse 1, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may have or be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. Everybody say truth. Truth. Yes. As indeed you are walking in the truth. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I want to talk to you this morning about walking in the truth. Amen. How many of you know God wants you to walk in the truth? So the opposite of truth is a lie or a deception or, you know, and there's a lot of things going on in the world today. Can you say amen? And people might ask the question, you know, well, you know, what is truth? You know, Pilate asked that question one time when Jesus, when he was interrogating Jesus before he was crucified and he was trying to figure out who in the world this guy was, you know, and uh, so he was asking questions and things and Finally, Jesus just told him, he said, you know, my kingdom's not of this world. And he said, well, then are you a king or, you know, what's going on here? I'm I'm trying to get my head wrapped around what's going on here. And Jesus made this statement. He said, you say that I'm a king. To this end was I born and for this cause did I come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about truth here today and where it comes from and why it's so important in our lives, especially in the world in which we're living in. And he went on then to say that everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. But yet Pilate, when he gave that explanation, said, what is truth? In other words, what Pilate was saying is he didn't know what to believe. You know, the Jews were trying to crucify him. 
they knew, or Pilate knew, that be, you know, it was because of envy, really, that they had delivered him to uh, Pilate in the first place. You know, and so he was just saying, where in the world is the truth in all of this? He later went out to his, you know, um, whatever they do, you know, they go out and he says, man, I don't find any fault in this guy. And they, they pressed him all the more. And as you know, he eventually ended up being crucified. But he didn't know what to believe. And in humanity, and even amongst Christians today, you know, and in the world, they're confused about what's true. There's a lot of voices in the world, isn't there? And a lot of things that are being said, cultural influences, ideologies that are filled with all kinds of perversions, social, you know, justice that people want, you know, civil rights that people are trying to find, race relations, what love really is. I mean, you know, some of the stuff, you know, as it's being defined today isn't love at all. Because sometimes love is telling people the truth, not what they want to hear but what they need to know. And so I want to talk to you about, you know, walking in the truth because everyone, it doesn't make any difference if you're a sinner or saint, everybody wants a better life. Huh? You know, I mean, as you grow up as a child, you imagine what might be, could be, or, or should be. And, and the reality is, is the only way that's really going to happen in any person's life is if you're walking after the truth. So that becomes kind of important for all of us as believers because we want to enjoy peace. We want to enjoy happiness. We want to be fulfilled in our lives, our pursuits, and in our relationships. And so the question obviously is, well, how's that happen? I mean, how's that come about with us as individuals? How do we get where we want to go? And, you know, people will say, well, you know, when my circumstances change, then by golly, I'll be happy. Well, you know, maybe your circumstances are a little bit wonky, But the reality is, is that that doesn't necessarily translate into what it is that you're really seeking or wanting in your life. Some people say, well, you know, if I get more money, and by golly, you know, I'll be happy and fulfilled and all this. And again, we need money. It's a means of exchange that we use in order to, you know, function within the world in which we live. But I got to tell you that money in and of itself is not what brings happiness. And yet some people think or believe that that's what needs to have happen. And then in relationships, you know, people say, well, you know, if I could just have this relationship, if I could just find the right guy, the right gal, the right whatever. And again, that is part of life, but that in and of itself isn't what brings real freedom, real meaning, real fulfillment in a person's life. The thing that brings that is the truth. And so it becomes important for us as believers to know and to choose to walk in it. And, you know, this is a simple truth. I mean, I've said it many, many times, but the fact of the matter is the truth is found in God's living word. This this book right here, this is the truth. And so what we have to do is fashion our lives in accordance with it, which requires submission. It It requires humility. It requires us simply saying, God, you're smarter than I am, huh? And then being willing, come on now, you know, to be a doer of what it is that he tells us. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 23 and verse 23, the Bible says, buy the truth. In other words, if you're, if you're wanting to purchase something, buy the truth and do not sell it. And that's really what I really want to talk. Have you, have you sold the truth for something that maybe isn't true? That's good. 
Are you listening to me? Buy the truth, don't ever sell it, and also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Jesus made a statement to his disciples, particularly Thomas. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And yet we hear within culture that there are many different ways to get to heaven. Well, last time I checked the Bible, that's not true. There's only one way. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must or can be saved except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? So there's all kinds of things that people believe and this and that and the other. But here's the point, you guys. There, there's, there's counterfeits, lies, and deceptions that abound. I mean, they abound. And that's why, thank God, we need something that provides us with the guidance or the direction that as a human being, we can look to and know that it's a solid, uh, uh, infallible thing for us to be able to look at and say, we judge everything from this, the word of the living God, and everything after that just has to submit itself to that. Now, I've got a little illustration, you know, my son, he's always into these illustrations, you know, and I watch you, you know, you're just like spellbound. So I thought, I need to get up to speed. So I have a compass here. And I remember one time I was out hunting mushrooms down by the Missouri River, and I didn't have one of these. And dude, we got out there in the middle of the sticks, and I'm telling you, I didn't know straight up from Sikkim. And I could, we couldn't find our way out because everything looked the same. And we knew there was a set of railroad tracks somewhere, but we didn't know what direction. But if you have one of these, by golly, you can at least find out where north is, and if you have any clue at all. How many of you, uh, you know, I thought about this during, this during the praise of worship, which way is north? Well, most of you are doing all right, <laughs> okay? But, but, but this right here, is a magnetic compass and you can use it, you know, to find your way and, and because it points to the north. But then I also have this little thing here. This is a little telescoping thing and it's got a magnet on the end of it. When you drop stuff down where you can't reach it, you can use this to get it. Now the funny thing about that is, is if you take this and you bring it close to this, all of a sudden north changes. And that's what's happened so in so many people's lives is this thing here has come along into their life and said, no, that's not the truth. This is the truth. That's a good, that's good. And all of a sudden they're walking around, you know, God only knows where because they think this is the truth when the truth is, as you pointed out, over here. Are you listening to me? How'd I do it? All right. Okay, good. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. I'll take it. Come on. Come on. Give me a little help here. Yeah, there you go. Now I have something else here. This is a, uh, you know, I figure, you know, you got to bring it. You got to bring it. So <laughs> this is one ounce of silver. Have you ever noticed, and I, maybe if you're younger, you wouldn't know this, but have you ever noticed the change in your pocket and how light it is? And the reason is because they've taken all the silver out of it. Huh? And they put tin in it to replace a counterfeit, something that is much less valuable than this. This is probably worth, I don't know, what, 25, 20, maybe 30 bucks, whatever it is. You ain't getting it. 
It's going back in my pocket. Now, <clears throat> you can buy a big brick of silver, 100 ounces, you know, weight, it's heavy, you know, and this and that and the other. But someone was just telling me in a conversation that most people are going around that are buying these, these bricks of silver or bringing a, a drill along with them. And you say, well, why would they do that? Because they're drilling down in it to see if there's lead inside. Because a lot of times you can end up buying something that you think is one thing and they, and it's nothing but a counterfeit. It's deceptive within its name and it's not worth <laughs> hardly anything, even though, you know, and, and probably a, a hundred ounces of that would be what? $3,000 or something like that. So, it's real important for us to really know what is true and what isn't. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you know what's in here. Okay? Particularly where the New Testament is concerned, where your lives are concerned. So it becomes that important. Now, Jesus made this statement in preaching um, in his earthly ministry. He, he talked about... Well, he talked about, um, it was in the context, let me say it this way, it was in the context of what brings freedom from sin. And he was talking to the Jews, and he essentially just said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the one that can provide this for you. And they didn't like that, okay? And then as he was preaching, he essentially got down to the point where some of them, many of them, actually the Bible says, believed on him. And then he went on to say, if you will continue in my word, everybody say word. word, then you're my disciples indeed. In other words, if you'll continue in what it is that I have said, then you're my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. free. That's where, that's where um, freedom comes from is knowing the truth. Now we have a whole host of humanity that they really don't even believe in God. They don't believe there's a God. They're atheists. They, they're, they're, it's completely out. I mean, a lot of things have changed, you know, on the horizon of people and what it is that they think. There are another group of people that think, you know, if I belong to a church, if I've been baptized in water and this and that and the other, and I jump through the hoops, I'm going to heaven. Well, again, unfortunately, that's not what the scriptures tell us. The Bible says that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord through repentance and surrender of their heart and their life to him shall be saved. It isn't a program of works. You know, thank God for good works and the Bible teaches it, but it ends up becoming distorted, you know, and it becomes deceptive in nature. And so people think I'm okay when they really aren't because they've never truly, genuinely from their heart surrendered themselves to Christ and say, I need you as my Savior. Come and save me. And thank God he will do that. Amen? So it becomes a hard issue. And I, I tell you, you know, as a, as a, in my own experience, you know, as a teenager, I didn't know God. I grew up in a mainline denominational church and, you know, going through the motions and jumping through the hoops and doing whatever. And, you know, they say you get to this point, you get confirmed into the church and, and you're good. But, you know, I wasn't good because even though I had done everything that I was supposed to do, my heart was far from God. 
and I had never ever gave him my heart and my life. Well, when I did, at the age of 19, guess what? The light came on. And all of a sudden, I began to understand life, not through this, but through my innermost being. And I began to see things that I, and only God himself could be the one who would show or reveal or unveil these things to us. You know, Paul made this statement. He said, if, God, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are lost. And then it goes on to explain in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that don't believe, lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them. So hell is constantly at work, doing everything it can to, make, to take as much of humanity to hell as it possibly can, and it, do, it does it through lies, through deception, through counterfeit. Am I in the right house? And that's why the Word of God becomes incredibly, imperatively important in our lives. And even then, you know, it can be twisted, it can be distorted, all of these different things. That's why I thank God for the local church. You know, I'm standing here worshiping God, and I'm just thinking about how wonderful it is to have a place to come and honor the Lord, you know, to lift up our hands, our hearts, our voices, and, to, and, and get some clarity, you know, because of the world out there that we're living in. How many of you know the people need the church? And anybody that doesn't think they need it, they're being deceived and lied to on a major scale. Are you listening to me? So it becomes important for us as believers. Hallelujah. So we have hell's deception all over the place, blindness in pop popular culture. You know, it, it's wild. I was just talking with someone, a, a nephew of mine last night at a wedding that we attended, and he was talking about how, you know, and it really wasn't a conversation in a, in a spiritual context. He just says, it, everything has shifted. You know, he didn't say it in those terms, but, you know, in, the, in people's thinking and what it is that's going on. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't mean to be all spiritual on you here, but I'm just telling you that in March of 19, things changed. Lots of things changed because a lot of things were happening at that time. But we have this, this deception or this blindness in popular culture. In other words, uh, there's no moral discipline. We're pushing whatever it is you want to do. You know, I just was reading uh, through uh, Fox's news feed, and it was talking about how that Russia has rejected all transgender um, surgeries and things, and, and, and they made the statement, it's Satanism. And I'm thinking to myself that here's a, a country that doesn't necessarily, got, they don't have their, their, their arms wrapped around the things of God, and they're smarter than we are to figure out what in the world is going on. It's deception. So there's, more, there's no moral uh, discipline, uh, abortion, Population control, drug use, greed, corruption. You know, corruption is okay. Mike Douglas, you know, I don't even remember what the name of this movie was. Years ago, he, he, he comes out with this statement. They've got a, a picture of him on the screen. He says, greed is good. How many of you remember that? Yeah. 
Greed is good. I can't remember what the name of the movie was. But all it, it's, it's seeds that end up getting planted in people's life. Listen, greed is not good. The Bible teaches us to stay away from being covetous. Are you listening to me? And yet a lot of people think that's exactly what life is all about. And uh, another one, you know, uh, we, we, we refer to, they have all these catchy phrases, you know. They talk about progressive. It's not progressive. It's digressive. It's actually destructive. And then we have this, this phrase they come up with, defund the police. Well, you know, that's another term for lawlessness. That's what it is. You know, and yet, yet people buy into it. And you, you have to understand that this is something that hell is propagating. You know, we never had problems with race relations. Then back in the 60s, you know, there was some stuff, and I think that the church prayed and started to believe God, and that all subsided. And now the thing has just exploded to bring division and hatred and all kinds of things. Everything that's inconsistent with a godly lifestyle. So you need the truth. I need the truth. So that we can respond accordingly and not find ourselves, you know, in a place where we don't want to be. Hallelujah. So the truth begins with the gospel, the word of God. And, and uh, I, I showed you this. Here's another thing. You know, you, see, you hear it all the time. They're talk, they talk about narratives. Narratives. Well, what is a narrative? Well, Narratives are specifically created. They are intentionally created to get you to think and to believe something other than necessarily the truth. <clears throat> are you with me? Stay with me here. All right. And, and that's what... Uh, um, and, and that's especially true in the things that I just previously described. They're telling you what they want you to think. Well, thank God he gave you a brain. And you can think as you want to. And you can stand in a place where you say, that ain't true. I don't believe that and I'm not going to walk in it. You know, I believe that God wants you and I as believers to live a life where, we, where there's confidence that we stand up, that we don't have to be ashamed, apologize, question, do any of these things, because the Word of God is true. And so anything that doesn't line up with what the Bible says, we just need to discard it and say, that's not true, I don't believe that. See, they don't want you to say that because they want to silence your voice. Hell wants to keep the gospel silent if it can. So you don't have to, you know, pick a fight or anything. You can just say, listen, I don't believe that at all because it's not true. Am I in the right house? Yes. Hallelujah. It's the Word of God that becomes and is the constant. Everybody say constant. It has to become the constant when it comes to you and, and knowing the truth. So when we're dealing with these social issues, we're dealing with, you know, relational matters, all of these different kinds of things, it's the truth of God's Word that has to serve as our guide. And it's also true where our doctrine, what we believe from a spiritual standpoint, needs to come from. Otherwise, we're, in, we're like the, the compass that's being influenced by a magnet, and we don't know where north is. 
I didn't realize this, you know, but when I became a pilot, we're flying around doing whatever, you know, and I just happened to take a headset and throw it up on the, on the dash. Well, um, on, on the dash right above it is a magnetic compass that we use for directional whatever. Well, the headsets have magnets in them. And so, I don't know, flight instructor or somebody says, hey, you might not want to do that. Why? Because, well, when you're setting the other instruments to that magnetic compass, it may give you a false reading. And the same thing, again, is true where believers are concerned. You didn't know that, did you, Brian? Don't do that anymore, okay? <clears throat> Otherwise, you'll end up where you don't want to be. Hallelujah. So, so, so the Word of God has got to become the constant where our lives are concerned. And I mentioned this to you earlier, you know, I mean, Man has, has, well, fabricated or created all kinds of uh, things where religion is concerned that move people away from the necessity and the need of relationship, personal relationship with God. They say, no, 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 you don't have to do all that. You don't have to live right, you know, I mean, and, and, and the list is long. But you know, when you get saved and you get turned on to the Word of God, you want to serve God. It's not a matter of duty. It's, it's, it's a desire. And that's the desire that every believer needs to fuel and, and, and encourage and embrace and walk in the light of. Man, I don't want to walk in darkness. I don't want to be out there in the world where I once was. I want to be in the light. Are you listening to me? So I have to believe in what it is that Jesus is uh, saying because hell's attempt is always to move humanity away from the truth. That's what Satan does. Ah, oh, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to be so strict. It's not about being strict. Dude, when your heart gets changed, you don't want to. Now, you may have your flesh to contend with, but we, you know, that's another subject. But therein lies the problem is just the fleshly desires that war against the spirit. So what we have to think of it this way, you know, you've got your flesh over here and you've got your spirit, the real you, that that's been born of the spirit of God. And you've got your brain right in the middle. And there's a war going on, baby. What for? Your brain. And so what you have to do is you have to become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and know the will of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that it can feed your brain and keep your flesh from dominating and controlling your life. You say, well, how's that, how's that get fleshed out? When people say that they can't, you know, stop drinking, they can't stop doing drugs, they can't do this, that's not true. Now, there may be a huge war going on within their lives, but the truth is that they can be set free. Amen. I'm living proof of it. And I can go around in this room and I can find a whole bunch of other folk. The same thing is true. Yes, there may be a battle, you know, because I, I got to tell you, man, your flesh is a formidable foe. But thank God you can overcome it. People say, well, I can't stop, you know, being angry. Yes, you can. You're just being lied to, and you're being told that you can't. Are you with me? Thanks for your enthusiasm. You know, when you get down here in the weeds where everybody lives, <laughs> it gets real quiet. Amen. Amen. But I tell you, Jesus wants you to be free. Yeah. Are you listening to me? So that anger doesn't control you. Unforgiveness doesn't control you. You know, envy doesn't, or jealousy doesn't control you. 
That's one of the things I learned a long time ago. You know, when my wife and I, you know, we got started in the ministry and things, we didn't have nothing. I mean, nothing. You know, but we had a calling on our lives. We had a love of God in our heart, and we loved people, and we were going to do everything we could to, to help them. But, you know, from a monetary resource standpoint or, or you know, things, uh, assets, what? <laughs> we didn't have nothing. But you know what? We had a hope in our heart, and we had a promise in that book that said that if we would walk in the light of his word, that he would bring us up, and he's done that. But you know, as we were going through that process, we'd see people that came into the church, and they had a lot more than we did. I mean, a lot more. And we thought to ourselves, howdy doody, you know? You know what I'm saying? But see, instead of getting jealous about it, or envying the fact that they had something that I didn't, my wife and I, we made the decision a long time ago. We said, we're in that line. Huh? I'm not going to get jealous about what it is that somebody else, you know, has. I'm going to get in their line. I'm going to get in the line they're in. Huh? Well, again, thank you for your excitement about what it is that I'm talking. But see, we get, we, we, you know, all these thoughts come up on the inside. Whoa, hey, hey, whoa. Did you see that ring on her finger? Wow. Look, at, did you see that rock? Oh, did you see what they, you know, what they were wearing or whatever the case might be? Well, where's all this come from? It, it comes from this unrenewed mind that we have so often because we're doing this comparison thing. You know, the Bible says to compare yourself among yourselves. It's not wise. Huh? You know, what we rather ought to be thinking about is, is hallelujah, they are blessed. <laughs> that went over big. Did you did you you feel the response? You know, yes. You know, um, the truth of the matter is, is God doesn't care what size of rock you have on your finger. He doesn't care what kind of car you drive. Are you listening to me? People care, but he doesn't. God's not opposed to you having things, he's opposed to things having you. Can you say amen? So you know, hell is always trying to move us. I'm kind of getting off subject here. But he's trying to move us away from the truth. I want you to turn to 1 uh, Timothy. And this is, I, I, you know, I just decided that, you know, in the next few weeks I'd read through the New Testament and uh, just through the washing of the water of the Word of God, you know, um, think about, study, uh, and consider, meditate on some of the themes that the Apostle Paul and others that wrote the New Testament, what they were talking about. And, and you kind of know the story that, that Timothy was basically Paul's protege. He was actually, uh, uh, they met up and he was, a, uh, his mother and grandmother were believers, Eunice and Lois, you know, and, and Timothy had come under the influence of their lives, but his father was a Greek, and so he wasn't a, a Jew in the purest form of it, but he loved Jesus, and he came into the knowledge of truth, and he had a calling on his life. And so Paul starts pouring into this guy and comes to find out that, you know, he's got ability, he has competencies, he's got a calling, and different things of that nature. And so when, when the church was given birth to in Ephesus, he left Timothy there to pastor it. And so as he was writing this letter to him, he was basically instructing him on the, the most important points 
that need to be communicated within the, the range of his responsibility as a pastor, and that was to see to it that sound doctrine didn't get distorted or, 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 or removed from the body life of the church. And in that day, what they were dealing with, a lot like what we deal with with religion today, is, is they were dealing with uh, Judaism. And there were people that were saying, well, you know, it's all, all good that Jesus came and this and that and the other, but you still got to keep the law. Okay? So they, in other words, they wanted to put them underneath something that Jesus had set them free from. Huh? We only have one law, and that's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbor as ourself. Huh? The law of love. And that fulfills all the rest of them. But they didn't want to do that because they, you know, it's, it's all about performance. People, you know, the, I mean, as a human being, you know, achievement, all of these different kinds of things. And I'm not saying that that's wrong in and of itself. But, but it, it, it doesn't get you anywhere within the kingdom of heaven. It's about your heart before God. Does that make sense to you? You know, so it's important for us to realize that. Same thing's true, you know, with, with academia. You know, uh, so much of what it is that's going on today, you know, is people think that they're so smart. I say this all the time. How can people that are so smart be so dumb? You know, now there's nothing wrong with academics. There's nothing wrong with academia, you know, because with that learning comes uh, innovation, uh, invention, different things, you know, and all of this and that and the other. The unfortunate thing about academia often is what ends up happening is, is because you are smart, you know it, and then you get arrogant. And then... You know, all of a sudden, you know, you can, you can be incredibly brilliant in, in certain areas of your life, but then when it comes to social issues, you're supposed to know everything there too? Well, I've come to discover they don't know everything there too. Mind the right house. You say you probably shouldn't say that. Somebody needs to. You know, I'm just saying what everybody else thinks. Are you listening to me? So again, I'm not pounding... Uh, academics because uh, that's, that's what moves our lives forward, but it needs to be kept in its appropriate context. Are you with me? So that we don't allow all of these emotional things that, you know, creep into it and make it weird. Okay, that, that was great. Praise the Lord. Okay, back to Timothy. Um, so Paul's going to begin this writing, and, I, and, and I'm going to jump around within this letter and, uh, but I just, there's, there's a, a continuity or a, a, a theme that I want to try to communicate to you uh, as far as, now, how many of you believe the Bible is the Word of God? The Bible says that holy men of uh, old were swept along or moved by the Holy Spirit. They were inspired to write this. So the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of the Lord, is writing this letter to Timothy. And again, he's, he's pointing out important things that he needs to embrace, hold on to. Because here's the thing you have to understand, you guys. You know, when I said buy the truth and don't sell it, what ends up happening is, is there is opposition to the truth. There are things that come against you in your life, you know, to try to take away, listen, what it is that's true. You know, the Bible talks about, for example, in the, in the realm of marriage, how husbands and wives are to treat one another. Well, sometimes your emotions, you know, get involved and you don't really want to obey the Bible. 
Okay, um, let me move on. Is that true or not? Yeah, or, or, or something happens, you're mistreated, you know, different things like that. And, you know, the Bible says to pray for those that despitefully use you and, you know, bless those that curse you. And, you know, there's stuff like that in the Bible. Okay? But we don't always want to do that. But if you and I are going to follow him, walk in the truth, then, then we're going to have to embrace this and take the high road and do what it is Jesus told us to do. How many of you want to win? Amen. Well, there you go. Amen. And that may mean that you end up being mistreated. That may mean that, you know, you end up being maligned. It may mean that you end up being mocked. It may mean that you're being criticized. You know, whatever. But that's, that's life. But you don't have to be ashamed of it, and you don't have to feel bad about it. You ought to just listen to what Jesus said. He said, if they persecuted me, dude, you're going to get it. Okay? You're going to have people talk ugly about you, but don't let that bother you. Hallelujah. Just stay happy and go down the middle of the road. I mean, I've been criticized by experts. But you know, I'm still here, and I'm still happy. Huh? My joy is not in their head. Are you listening to me? So they can say whatever they want. I'm going to heaven. And I got myself screwed onto the right bolt, and I'm going to stay there. Are you with me? And so did you, and so are you. Amen. So anyway, back here to Timothy. <clears throat> Let's start in verse 3 of the first chapter. Notice what it says here. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you can charge. Now, he doesn't identify specifically who they are, but he said certain persons. I'm reading out of the uh, English Standard Version. He says, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is uh, love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Certain persons, again, he doesn't name them, by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. And then he goes on to say, and now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully or properly, understanding this, that the law was not laid down for the just but for the lawless, the disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for sexual immoral, uh, uh, the sexually immoral, uh, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God which, uh, with which I have been entrusted. So he's giving him a framework, okay, this is, this is where we're working here. But he's talking about, don't you dare allow a different doctrine to get into the church to subvert. You know, like right now in the Methodist church, they got people, you know, they've got congregations are bailing right and left. Why? Because of the perversion. 
okay? And, and again, you know, fortunately, they've said, no, this is not right, and we're not going to participate in it. Are you with me? But you know, the pressure that we get from, from, from popular culture is that we should conform, and that we should this, and we should that, and you certainly don't want to this or that or the other. And, and I'm not against anybody, man. I'm for everybody. But yet, right on the other hand, if you want to take your stuff and impose it upon me, then it becomes an issue. Am I in the right house? Okay? So it isn't, it isn't that I have anything. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't have anything against anybody. But again, you know, if you're going to tell me that I have to, you know, uh, live like the world, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I love Jesus. And I want to obey Him and be a follower of Him. Because I know that's where the blessing is. It's, it's really, you know, about that simple. And thank God we have the privilege of being able to do that. So, so we believe that the Bible, this is one of our tenets of faith. I mean, we have, I don't know, 10 of them or whatever they are. But we have a, a tenet that, and, that we believe the Bible, particularly the New Testament, it serves as our infallible guide as pertaining to life and conduct. How, how should I live? How should I treat people? It's right here. Okay. And, and so if we go on in this reading, notice in verse 18, in this same chapter, he says, uh, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, and by, uh, so that by them, now listen to this, you may wage a good warfare. Interesting language. Huh? Why? Because he's just saying, you know, Timothy, we're in a conflict, dude. It's truth versus the lie. And I want you to wage a good warfare by embracing that which is sound doctrine, not some different doctrine, not some kind of mess that came from God only knows where, but the Bible, the Word of God. Am I in the right house? You doing all right here? Come on now, because the reality is, is that the truth will set you free. So that you don't have to live under the auspices of however popular culture is trying to... And people, I mean, they're being influenced wildly. And that's why the world needs the church. That's why the world needs you. And again, not in an arrogant kind of way, not in an adversarial kind of way, but in a love... You know, when Paul was talking in, uh, later in the other letter that he wrote to Timothy... He said, you know, he said a, a, a man or a, a woman of God should, should not strive, get into a bunch of strife-filled kind of mess, but be able to teach. And, and it goes on then to say, uh, instructing those that oppose themselves, that are at odds with the gospel, lest, preadventure, that God would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth so that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. That's in the Bible, man. So, so many are being taken captive by his will. And that's a little scary. And the reason is, is because they have either, they don't know the truth or they have exchanged the truth for a lie and turn it into something corruptible. Mine the right house. Well, we're not going to do that. I said, no, no, ma'am. No, sir, we are not. We're going to embrace the truth. We're going to, listen, we're going to submit ourselves to the counsel that is in this book. We're going to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that we may be exalted in due time. That's what we're going to do. And in that, the blessing and the grace of God will sustain us, will keep us, 
It will provide for us. It will do what is necessary. Now, you know, I can almost tell there's a lot of gears turning in what it is that I'm talking to you about this morning. And some of this, you know, it, it might be rubbing you the wrong way because of influence, all right? And, and if it is, that's okay. I understand that. I get it. But at least, at least, please give consideration to what it is that I'm sharing with you today. Because your life is at stake. That's what I'm talking about. It's important. And sometimes, you know, we end up being influenced by our experience, our circumstance, uh, different things that are going on in our lives. And, and I get that. But at the end of the day, the Word of God is sure. And that's what you gotta, you got to judge everything that's going on. Am I in the right house? I hope I'm providing or being a good pastor to you. You know, I could, get, I could stand up here and give you a little social whatever, whatever for about 10 minutes. We could all go home. Or I can talk to you about what concerns me as a pastor where your lives are concerned so that you don't drive off the cliff. You know, the Bible talks about apostasy. You know, people, you know, exiting, leaving, you know, departing. It, it's not a new thing. Paul talked about, he said, you know, when I was in Asia, everybody forsook me. Wow. You know, that had to be a bummer. Only Oniferous, I think that's his name, uh, he's the only one that stayed with him. All the rest of them left him. But you know what? What's cool about it? <laughs> you know, Paul just said, hey, though none go with me, still I will follow. And dear friends, that's what you have to do. You may have family members that are ragging on you big time about what, it, you know, this whole church thing, you know, and you're a fanatic and you don't have to do this or whatever. Listen, dude, it is not about that at all. I don't know about you, but I like going to church. Why? Because I can come with others of like precious faith. Now I can lift up my voice in freedom to honor and to worship the King and praise God to recognize His blessing in my life. And not only that, but His presence. You know, and all of the things that are associated with it. So if you tell me, you don't really need to go to church that much. It's not about needing to. It's about wanting to. That's it. Let's, let's, let's decide, dude. Which side of the fence are we going to walk down? Huh? What pasture are you going to be in? Are you with me? Yeah. Huh? Make sure, you know, you get in the right pasture. Some people say, man, it's really green over there. You know, they only, once they get there, they figure out it's AstroTurf. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Huh? That's what happened to Abraham and his, his uh, uh, nephew, Lot. Was that Lot? Yeah, yeah Lot. And, uh, you know... They were having all kinds of problems between their, their, their workmen and things because God was blessing them in an immeasurable kind of way. And, and Abraham said, there, there's no reason for us to have this strife. Listen, why don't we just, you know, if you go that way, I'll go this way. If you go that way, I'll go that way. And so Lot got to looking around. And he looked down through the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's what he chose, bad choice. I said, bad choice. And if it weren't for the grace of God, he'd be toast. Are you with me? And, and so everything that glitters isn't gold, you know? Oh, you know, hey, did you see her? She is a good looker. I bet she'd make you a lot happier than what it is you've got going on here. 
That's a lie. But people buy into lies. Oh, there's so much. You know, people, they have emotional problems. Why am I going here? People have emotional problems within their married relationship. This happens all the time, you guys. You know, there's conflict, there's tension. I don't know if you realize it or not, but if you're married, there's going to be tension. Just saying. Doesn't always have to be that way. But there's going to be that. Well, so what ends up happening? Well, if that tension grows in the relationship, what it does is it separates the couple. You don't deal with it. You don't talk about it. You don't communicate. You don't, you don't find some common ground and figure out what the truth is, you know, relationally and how to treat one another. And you get mad and jacked up and all this and that and the other. And so you're not together. And then you go to work. And some unsuspecting, unmarried, or maybe even married, doesn't make any difference. The devil doesn't care. He'll use any instrument that he can. He brings Miss Susie along, and you start talking to her about your problems back home. Wow, where did this come from? Why? Because somehow or another, this person is providing that emotional sweet pill that you need so that someone will pet you in your problem. And pretty soon you end up in a place you don't want to be in. And sometimes it's too late. It's a lie. Now, I don't believe that I brought that whole thing up for just no reason at all. I believe that the Holy Ghost is trying to tell somebody here, you don't want to go down the path you're going down. Yeah, but they, you know, they understand me. That is baloney. It's a trap. And it's designed for one purpose. That is to destroy your life. Because hell does not care about you. And it will use anything it can to destroy you. It can be money, it can be relationships, it can be whatever. Because hell, what it does is it walks around your life. You know, like Job. You know, God said, have you considered my servant Job? You know, he's blameless. He's, 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 he's the bomb. The devil says, yeah, I, I know all about him. He said, you take your blessing off of him and he'll curse you, you know. So what, what is that? Well, the devil walks around people's lives. He just walks around looking for, why does the Bible say give the devil what? What is it? No place. Why? Because he walks around your life and he watches and he looks and he, and he seeks and he looks for a weakness in your character. And then he says, boys, this is where we're going in. And he takes off. Now I know this is a little bit kind of weighty, heavy, you know, that type of thing. But this is life, you guys. You got to, you know, we are not, the Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. You know, young people right now, man, they're trying to figure out what in the world life is all about. And they got all these voices. They got all these influences. They got social media. They got people saying this and that and the other. And, and, and they don't know what to believe. And a lot of the things that maybe they're choosing to believe are, are couldn't be any further from the truth. And that's why we need the book. Stay there. 
You know, people, you know, a lot of times, you know, as you get older, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm not old. I'm just getting older. I had a woman. I got to tell you a story. I had a half a, a load of, you know, this three to five inch rock on a trailer. And uh, Jeff Straczynski up there, he, he got a bunch of landscaping rock. Well, I had probably two and a half ton left. And I needed this job because my son was complaining about having to weed whip a little bit more than he really wanted to. So he says, why don't you just put rock down in there and I wouldn't have to mess with it. And I said, okay. So I got this rock about, I don't know, 5,000 pounds or something like that. And one of the tenants, uh, she's there and, and I had to get her out of bed so I could get her car moved so that I could actually back this thing in there, you know, and do it. Well, about an hour and a half or maybe two hours later, it was on Thursday, I think, this week. And I mean, it, was, it wasn't necessarily hot, 75, 77 degrees, but it was humid. And so, man, I'm soaked. And she comes out and she goes, my God, are you out of your mind? That's what she said. I said, well, no, not the last, the last time I checked. I thought it was great, you know. She says, how old are you? I said, well, I'm 67. Why? She says, well, where's your son? I said, he's on vacation, having a big time, you know? And so she says, well, you're out of your mind. What are you doing out here? I said, well, you know, it's okay. And then she goes off on this whole big deal about, you know, her husband and heart attacks and bypass surgery and all this and that and the other. And I just told her, I said, hey, it's okay. I'm going to be all right. And we're going to get this load where it belongs and we're going to move on. You know, a little work never hurt anybody. Amen. All right. Well, anyway, where was I talking about that? How did I get there? Huh? Being old. Yeah. So anyway, you know, as you get older, you know, people will look at you know, a lot of times younger people will look at you and say, well, you know, that's just old fashioned. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, it's old fashioned. Well, it might be old fashioned, but it could be true. It could be right. Could be just. I'll give you another lie. I remember when I was a kid growing up, you know, we had people that would end up in car accidents and things. Some of them would, that would lose their life. And, and, and because of lifestyles and different things that, that none of us should have been doing, but that's the way it was. And, and uh, so they're gone. And um, I, I, I thought about this and, and the common l- way of thinking during that era, and maybe it's true today, I, I would imagine that's probably true today, but one of the common lies that the devil uses and says to people is, it'll never happen to you. Couldn't happen to you. You know, people, they're, they're, they, they're uh, living with uh, <clears throat> these sexually transmitted diseases, and, and you watch it on television. It, it's filled. Pharma is, is, is flooding the airways with all these kinds of drugs to help them be able to continue doing what it is that they're doing that got them in the place in the first place. And here's the lie. It won't happen to me. Well, dear friend, maybe, maybe not. I don't know about you, but you know, I just think that maybe we shouldn't be playing so close to the fire. Huh? Maybe we shouldn't be that close to the cliff. Maybe we ought to Take the advice that's in that book and say, you know what, I'm going to walk in the light of the word. So, so whatever it is, you know, we talk about morality, we can talk about uh, all kinds of things. You know, you can talk about uh, money, 
greed, uh, the corrupt nature of you know, so many people today, you say, how can this be happening? It's easy. People are corrupt, they're godless, and they don't know God. And so they're just doing whatever it is they do. They don't know the truth. They are blind, okay? And so you just have to see it for what it is because, again, I just want to suggest to you, you can have all kinds of money. You can have it piled up, praise God, clear up to the top of this roof. But you're not taking it with you, and it won't make you happy, okay? Now, it may provide for your needs, but you understand balance is the key to life, and this right here is what provides us with the balance, So I just want to encourage you this morning. There's a lot more that we could talk about, but our time is up. Read this letter that Timothy, or that that Paul wrote to Timothy, because there's a lot of other great things uh, within this book that you need to know. And, And if you, just one more little thought, please. Three minutes. Look at chapter four. Now, again, let me, let me ask an important question. I know you've already answered it, but how many of you believe that the Bible is God speaking to us and that it's true? Okay, so, so what I'm about to read to you is the truth. Okay, you with me? Notice what it says right here, chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expressly says... Now, some Bible translation says, the Spirit speaks with concern... Okay, expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now listen, by devoting themselves to English standard deceitful spirits. King James says seducing spirits and teachings of demons or doctrines of devils through the insincerity of lies or liars whose conscience are seared. And then it goes on and describes in the circumstance, you know, here, you know, about marriage and, you know, what you eat. And yet the Bible says that if you pray, sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. Don't, don't, don't tell me I can't have my beef, okay? Now, if you want to do the vegan thing, I think that's great. But don't tell me that I can't, all right? And don't be killing all my cows, you know, because they're, they're somehow or another through their gas, whatever, is messing up the ozone. I mean, how stupid can you get? And yet that's exactly what we're being told. Listen, I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm going on a limb, but I'm just going to tell you, this whole thing about climate control is a doctrine of the devil. Absolutely. It's absolutely a doctrine of devil, okay? You know, they're not even going to let you use your gas stove no more. And then they want to go after your appliances. I mean, how stupid can you get? And yet that's exactly what's happening. Don't you know that you can cook better on a gas stove than you can electric? Huh? Why? Because you can control your fire. So then, Brian, they're going to be after our propane tanks. And then you won't be able to grill anything. And that just can't happen, Reed. Come on. But yet that's the path. You know, we're we're, we're laughing about it right now, and it seems so silly, but, you know, people believe this stuff. 
So anyway, I've, I've talked myself into a hole here, so I better just quit. But he said that the Spirit of God speaks with concern that in the last days some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and teachings or doctrines of devils, and, and it's everywhere. So buy the truth, you guys, and don't ever sell it. Know what the Bible has to say and walk in the light of it. You don't have to be adversarial about it or anything like that. You can just say, well, you know what? I don't believe that. Sorry. You know, I'm, I, I'm not in on that. And because that's not what the Bible says or whatever, you know, however you, you treat it. So I hope that this, this message um, equips you. That was the whole intent. It, not just to inform, but, but, but to, to, to put something on the inside of you that'll give you reason for pause. Maybe you need to think about, you know, your own life. I mean, what is it that you've been believing? Why is it that you've been believing those things? Is there an adjustment or a change that needs to be made? Has someone, you know, come into your life that's influencing you in a negative kind of way and maybe you need to, you know, rethink that whole relationship or what? I don't know. I, I just love you guys. I, my, my son and I, we, we, we care about you and our wives. And we're, we're not in this because we thought it was a great idea. We did it because of the calling that God put on our lives. And he asked us to shepherd the sheep and have the oversight thereof and do everything we can to help humanity, to help people. And that's what we've endeavored to do. So please know, again, I want to go back to the ones that maybe, you know, are offended by what I said. It wasn't intended to offend you. Now, if you want to be offended, <laughs> there's not much I can do about that. But please know that my heart is to help. And so I hope that in the context of that, you are blessed. Amen. Let's everybody stand. Hallelujah. Where is my pianist? Here she comes. Amen. Wasn't that good this morning? Was the praise and worship, did you get blessed? Huh? Saying, well, it was a little bit loud. That's all right, you need loud. You know, just, you know, we don't have defibrillators in all the pews, so we use music, loud music, to try to get somebody to wake up. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me today. Father, we... We're, we're, we're grateful for this time that we've had together, Father. And again, Father, my prayer and my desire has been to communicate in a way as you see fit. And I believe, Father, that in this house, um, you're here. And not only that, but Father God, you have come to these people in this way to speak to them, to help them. And I realize, Father, sometimes when, when we come up against the truth, it's, it's, well, it can be challenging and it can be difficult. But I pray, Father, that every person here within the sound of my voice, those that are watching online, will simply just humble themselves to what it is that you've said. And I just thank you, Father God, for your grace and your blessing in our lives. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. You know, something that was brought up in, in the context of our service this morning had to do with married relationships and deceptions that can occur in the workplace and how that you can be deceived into thinking that someone else can provide you with what you need when that need needs to be met at home. And I don't, I don't really want to uh, have you, I don't want there to be a show of hands or anything of that nature, but I want you to know, dear friend, that, that heaven has showed up to talk specifically to you about this matter today. 
Please know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about anybody's life or what it is. But but if you have become emotionally involved with someone that you know, I mean, you know, your heart has been smitten uh, to just tell you, you know, warning light, warning light, warning light. This ain't good. Don't do this. You don't want to go here. I'm telling you that God, heaven is trying to help you right now. And you say, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, number one, you need to turn to God and you need to pray and you need to say, God, I got to have help here. Then the second thing that you need to do is you need to turn to that spouse, whoever that may be, and you you need to say, listen, we need to talk. We just need to have a a conversation that does not, um, you know, translate into or move into some kind of a argument or a war. Father, I pray for those that are here to whom this applies. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to lead all of you in a prayer. And this is for those that, that, that find themselves in this situation. And, and uh, for those of you that are willing to, to, you know, acknowledge this, when we pray this prayer, I want you to just pray it right out of your heart and let God minister to you right where you are as we stand today. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I do need your help. Please forgive me for the thoughts and even actions that I have taken. God help me in my relationship with my spouse. And I want to thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace to bring about the change that we need for a healthy and a whole relationship. Now, Father God, I again, I pray for them that they'll respond to what it is that you've said to them and that they will move forward in the relationship that they have and that God, your blessing will rest on them in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. I want you, once you're seated, just to go ahead and bow your heads for just a moment. We really didn't talk about this that much. But you know, heaven has a plan for every one of us. And and I want to pray for you that your heart would be turned toward him. I know you have ambitions. I know you have interests. I know that there are things in your life that maybe are pulling on you this way or that or whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, my friend, it doesn't make any difference. None of those things matter if he isn't truly in the first position of our lives. And um, I just love you enough to say that I want you to think about that and consider, reconsider, if that's the right word to use. You know, is, is he really where he belongs? Is he in that position or that place that he deserves? Are we asking him about where our life is going or are we talking to him about what we're wanting to do? While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. 
If that happens to be you, again, I'm not, I'm not fishing for anything, but, but acknowledgement is the first step towards change. So if you happen to find yourself in that place this morning, and you say, uh, I'm that person and I, I, I want to I change. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look? Thank you, sir. Bless you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am, thank you. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Yeah. Anybody else? You're familiar with the scripture in Matthew chapter 6 and 33. It said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know, whatever it is that you're looking toward or for in, in the way of fulfillment, he'll give it to you. But let's just make sure that everything has its proper order. All right, church, together, let's pray with these that raise their hands. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and as a matter of choice, as an act of my will, I put you first. Forgive me, Lord, for replacing you with anything else. And I just thank you for your grace in my life as I move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. Well, thank you everyone so much for being here this morning. I know you had choices and you made this one. So God bless you, hallelujah. How many of you know the best is yet to come? Pastor Brian was mentioning about having Matt and uh, uh, Angela in our pulpit. And I wanna thank you, those of you that participated were able to be here and things for your generosity. We, we typically, when we have a missionary uh, that comes, we give them an honorarium, you know, um, maybe two, two and a half thousand dollars or something like that. But during the service, I just really felt impressed to just take the offering on a Wednesday night and give it to them so that people could participate in actually sowing into this ministry that they have in Uganda. And uh, they're giving their lives I mean, they're absolutely laying their lives on an altar, going to another country in Africa and spending it for the kingdom to help teenagers and young people um, uh, to live in purity and not end up, you know, in places where they don't belong. It's awesome. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the offering, is Gayla still in here or is she out? She's out. I, I, last, I, she didn't have it all accounted for, but I think that there was a, another two, two and a half thousand, maybe 3,000 in the offering, which is, pretty unusual for a Wednesday night offering, but it was great. So we gave him five, $6,000 and, and uh, we're happy to do that, you know, because praise God, you know, when we're generous, then we are blessed, amen? And if it's good ground, then we're gonna sow into it, amen? They don't, they don't need a little conscience money, they need money and they need encouragement, uh, you know, and that's one way that we can help provide it. So thank you, that's what I meant, I, that, that was my whole point. Thank you for doing what it is that you did uh, for them. And we'll have other opportunities, you know, and missionaries come and dude, we just need to give them our best, amen. Because uh, they're giving the kingdom of God their best. All right, let's stand. All right, it's 1118, a little longer than normal. Not too bad, not too bad. Could have been 1130, 45, but here we are. So greet those around you, let them know they're glad, you're glad they came and tell them, I want you walking in the truth and you can be dismissed.